0: this morning, before we get into the message, three things I want to share with you uh, is, the first thing is this, if you are a college student here, uh, man, we love college students at Foundation Church, and uh, we want to hang out with you. April 21st, we are inviting all college students to the Pastor's Casa, um, to my house. I know this is a dangerous thing to do, um, but we are inviting you guys to come to our house just to connect with us, because here's what I believe for all, every one of our college students especially, you don't need to wait to find God's purpose for your life and how to get involved here at Foundation Church. I know it is close to the end of the semester, but we want to connect with you still. So April 21st, it's a Friday night. Um, there's not a whole lot to do in Tulsa um, on any m- moments ever. Um, and so Friday night, the 21st of April, our house will be announcing times, but we will have food, we will have activities to do out there. It will be a great time, um, so please make put it on your phone now, April 21st, 7 p.m., oh, not time yet, but April 21st to be at our house. The second thing is this, Easter is coming. It is fastly approaching. Um, it will be here in two Sundays, and that day we are going to three services. We are having an eight o'clock service. An 8 o'clock service. We're having a 9.30 service. And some of you are like, I'm still waiting for my time. We're having an 11 o'clock service. Um, and so um, here's the reason we're doing three services, because we are growing, which is awesome because we want to be found people who are finding people, but we want you to invite your friends because here's just the reality is most people are like, well, I got to go to church on Easter, Right? That's where, and so, if you will just ask your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, bring them here because we believe found people find people that we go out and we're the light of the world that we shine bright we're not scared to invite people to come with us invite somebody with you we've got cards out there that are about our service times the directions how to get there we have videos on facebook talking about easter share them away you don't have to ask permission if we put it on the internet we want you to share it Share it away, invite somebody to come with you, tag people, all that stuff, but start inviting people to come with you on that Sunday. Invite them to come back the next week. You may have to involve lunch the next week, but buy them lunch, it'll be worth it. Um, and then the third thing is this. Um, we are getting ready to launch something um, that I'm really excited about, and we are going to be launching our own Foundations Church YouTube channel, um, And we're going to be putting our videos on there that's happening, but here's why we're launching this channel for the main reason. We're getting ready to start something called FC, Midweek at FC. And um, for a lot of us that kind of grew up in church, you may not even grown up in church, but some of us remember Wednesday night service, and that's when you kind of went, you heard from the pastor, but you had this middle of the week Connection. What we are wanting to do, like last week, I didn't even get to my second point. And so this midweek at FC is going to be this moment where we put a video on of me and some of the staff talking, and it may be a continuation of Sunday's message, um, that I didn't get to some of my points or unpacking some things that you can watch at your leisure on Wednesdays or Thursdays at home, pulling it up on your YouTube channel. Because here's what we keep finding is that people are, wanting to connect throughout the week, but we don't really have time in our week to connect. But you can do it at home with your your family or by yourself or with your kids. And we want to give you a chance to have that reconnection with God, with one another, and with us. And so we're gonna be launching this really, really soon to give you kind of this midweek connect point here at FC that I'm really, really excited about. It's gonna be awesome and fun and just something that hopefully you won't be like, I'm done after two minutes. Um, but you kind of watch through it all, um, and we'll probably be tweaking it as we go and learning. But we are constantly trying to figure out new ways to make Jesus famous and to connect with you guys. So that's happening. Today, we are in a ser- sermon series called The Strong Man and the Circus. And the premise of this. Comes from a quote that I heard my dad say um, concerning when when some people's lives were like a whole mess, and he goes, "Not my monkeys, not my circus." And I was like, "What? What's that mean?" He's like, "Not my people, not my problems." I'm like, "Ooh, I like that. I like that." And and, and we we've heard this quote. Some of us, some of you that's new to you, you're like, "I like that. Um, not my monkeys, not my circus." But what do you do? when it is your monkeys and it is your circus. Because monkeys act like monkeys. I mean, they do stupid things. They do crazy things, right? They start throwing stuff. They just, and, and you're like, it is your people. It is your drama. It is your problems. What do you do when life is that, when that is the reality. And so we are closing this sermon series today, and we will be doing a standalone for the next two weeks, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, that you don't wanna miss um, either one. But today I wanna talk to you about the topic of lions and queso, lions and queso. And who doesn't like both of those, right? Lions and queso, it's just like, yeah, I like this already. So, um, But today I wanna talk to you about A topic that isn't fuzzy and cute and popular like lions and So Today I want to talk to you about consequences, which I know you're like, wah, wah, Um, consequences. Who wants to deal with consequences? But life is full of consequences. Good consequences, bad consequences. You got to learn to deal with them because that's your monkey and that's your circus. The other day um this week I, I knew what I was gonna speak on and um I didn't get the lion part until really late, and I was like, you know, talk about consequences. And I started thinking about strongmen in the circus, and my mind went all the way to lion trainers in the circus. I'm like, I wonder if there's ever been lion trainers that have been attacked by lions. And YouTube is awesome, and so I search "man getting attacked by lion," which I quickly had to change to um, "lion trainer getting attacked by lions," and there is this circus that if there was ever a circus I wish I could have gone to, it was this one. Um, they were they had seven lions. There's two trainers in there, and they start training these lions, and you can YouTube this thing. It's so cool. Um, and as the lions are coming in, they're going across the little platforms, and then they jump up like on the little pedestal where they stay at you know and and this one lion they're going through it's pretty early on actually in the act and it jumps up and the trainer turns its back and I don't know what happened back behind scenes what this man did to this lion but it went crazy, and it just, it had enough. It's like, man, I'm a lion, and you just got a little stick to beat me with. What am I doing here looking like a, a, an idiot jumping on these? No, nah, I'm done, and it totally starts attacking the trainer, so now I'm really engaged in the video. I'm like, yes, yes. right, because that's what guys do. You're like, yes, and all the other lions start going crazy, right? So you got seven lions that start, they lost total control and all they've got is this little like stick to hit them get off! And the other trainer's trying to get them off and they start squirting them with water and you hear all these little kids like, wow. I'm like, if I would have been a little kid, I would have been at the cage like, yes! Eat them all! You know, um... I know, um, the trainers finally get I think they all made it out alive. When they started getting out, I was like, "Wow, well, nobody's getting killed, so I 'm not going to watch this anymore." But um, they started getting out, and I started thinking about, you know, like if that happens, we 'd be like, "Man, I wonder what's wrong with those lions. Nothing's wrong with those lions. Two people decided to get in a cage with seven lions. right? I mean, if you 're going to get in a cage with lions. You better be ready for the consequences of that choice, right? So the other day when I went to Africa, we came on this this three lions, a mama lion and two babies. And the babies were grown, and they see this animal off in the distance. And I'm talking, I'm from you, from here to the front row, to these lions. And I've got my phone out, and I'm like this, and I'm talking like this, like I'm in National Geographic or like... Oh my iPhone seven, and the mom sees it, and she walks like right here. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. Like right in front of me, I'm like, <gasps> and I start starts start hunting. Well, the little babies are still there, and I'm telling you, I slid my window closed. I was like, because I knew I was like, this may they may be trying to trick me, and they're just going to jump into this van and eat me while I'm t- filming the mom. There's a consequence to being around lions, and, and here's the deal. When you and I make a choice, you're free to make your choice, but you're not free from the consequence of that choice. And a lot of us, we want the freedom of consequences, but consequences are just a natural reaction of choices you and I have made. And sometimes those consequences are awesome. There's good consequences, there's good choices, there's good decisions. But there's other moments where you chose wrong, you chose poorly. And now you have to deal with the poor consequences of that choice. And, and we want to get away from it and we want to blame it, but, but if we're going to deal with consequences, we've got to own the consequences. And we find out and we ca- kind of catch up with Samson at the end of his life after he has made poor choice after poor choice after poor choice. And, and he's kind of gotten this far without having to pay any Consequences without really reaping personal consequences of the choices he's made. And in Judges 16, verse 20 through 30, it says this. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. This is Delilah. After several times of her trying to trick Samson into telling her the source of his strength. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. The Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their God, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought From the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the other two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines and the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people so he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire life lifetime. There's a consequence that Samson is having to deal with right now. And we talked about compromise last week and that compromise happens in inches and not miles. You compromise yourself inch by inch, little decision that you think isn't that big of a deal, inch by inch to the big life changing moment. It doesn't just usually happen in one big mile moment. And that's where Samson is. And finally his consequences catch up with the choices he's made. And he is dealing with the consequences. And we, and we catch up with Samson, and, and there's this pivotal moment of Samson can mope, he can just be down, and this is what his life is gonna be, or he can own the consequences, and he can move on with his life. And the one thing I would really like to tell you this morning is this, is don't be a victim to your consequences. Don't be a victim to your consequences. Consequences defined is simply this, the result or effect of an action or a choice. What comes out of an action you take or a choice that you make is that is a consequence. And I love the quote by Robert Louis Stevenson. He says, there will come a time when we sit down to the banquet of our consequences. There'll come a time, it may not, like for Samson, it was delayed, it was delayed, it was delayed, but eventually there will come a time where we sit down to a banquet of our consequences. Uh, When my youngest daughter, Chloe, turned seven or eight, the birthdays kind of run together. You know what I'm talking about, man? Like, I don't know how moms do it. Like, you're like, oh no, that was not her seventh, that was her fifth. Um, I'm like, how, what's the difference? There was cake and balloons, you know, Um, but... Around seven or eight, Chloe had a birthday at main event. Like on her birthday, main event, she wanted to play laser tag, bowl, and eat pizza and cake. So that's what we did. And um, she went and played some games, and she won some tickets, just kind of like, I almost said showbiz. I went old school just about now. What? When it was real. Um, But Kind of like Chuck E. Cheese, you know, you get tickets and then you can go buy something. And so Chloe had gotten these tickets and she could go buy something. And I was with her and I was like, oh, you have enough tickets for this, you have enough tickets for this, and you don't have enough tickets for that. And so we went out and she started showing everybody what she got. And in the process of showing something, all the things, she had this tiny little eraser. I mean, this big, tiny little eraser. It was like a Sprite can or something like that. I was like, Chloe... You didn't have enough tickets for that where'd you where'd you where'd you get that and I mean her eyes I'm like did you steal she's like no 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 I'm like no 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 babe I go I I wasn't mad I mean it's a tiny eraser right it's her her eighth birthday let's call it she's I'm like I don't want to do this right now and she's like, I, 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 I didn't mean to. And I got down on my knees right in the main event. And I go, Chloe, I go, babe, that's not okay. You, you, you stole. And I'm sure like in an eight-year-old's mind right at this point, she's like, I'm going to go to jail, right? Because that's what you thought. I remember being young and going to Skaggs Alpha Beta. And every time I would pass by the candy section, I would just, you know, and be like, I, there's a reason Albertsons and Skaggs isn't in business, because I stole so much candy. Um, and so I, I'm pretty sure my little eight-year-old's like, I'm gonna go to jail, you're gonna call the police officers. I'm like, hey, you gotta go back in there and tell them, I, I stole this, I didn't have enough tickets for this. And she's like, no, no, don't, don't make me, don't make me, don't make me, I don't wanna do that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I wanted to say, okay, you don't have to. You're cute and you're like, yeah, you know. You're eight, come here, I'll hold you and protect you from the world. That's what I wanted to do. It's her birthday. But there was something bigger at stake. It was her learning from a poor choice and the consequences that she had to deal with. And she went in and she told them, and they kicked her out of, no, they didn't kick her out of main event. (laughs) Um, But she went in and told them, and can I tell you, when you and I, Go through moments where there's a consequence, there's a lesson to be learned. If you and I don't learn from the consequence, that's the moment we're the victim. That's the moment we're the victim because in your lesson there is a blessing. When 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 you learn a lesson from a, a situation from a consequence, there's a blessing in that because hopefully then you and I don't repeat it. But when we decide to mope about it, when we don't own that moment, when we want to blame everybody else is when you become a victim to your consequences instead of learning from them. Instead of bringing purpose out of your consequences. And hear me, hey, hear me. All of us, as much as you're gonna want to, there's gonna be a moment where you make the wrong decision. You make the wrong choice. You're like, I thought this through. I thought this was the right thing. And you you miss, but don't just deal with the consequence. Learn the lesson that God has for you from that consequence, Judges 16 verse 22 is a verse that we get kind of going through and we, we read and we, we just like, ah, uh, kind of just pass through. But it says this, but before long, his hair began to grow back. I tell you, sometimes we think situations and when we're dealing with circumstances, when we're like, uh-oh, 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 we think it's permanent. But can I tell you, there's a grow back moment. Of your life, Samson, the, the hair began to grow back. There was potential coming back to his life, and no, no matter how big you've blown it. No matter how much you've messed up, can I tell you, there's a comeback moment for you today. There's a, you get to come back from this moment. I, I I understand, man, but Justin, you don't understand what a mess I've made. You don't understand the choices. I don't understand. I don't understand the gravity of your situation, but I know the bigness and the greatness of my God, and there is a comeback, a hair-growing coming back moment for you if you don't become just a victim, but you learn the lesson from your circumstances and your consequences that you're going through. Second Peter 2.19 says this, and in the context of this scripture, is this is that Peter is warning about false teachers, false prophets at the time, and he's saying, "Man, they're going to promise you all this stuff. He, they're they're going to promise that you can live your life this way, that you can have this sexual per- perversion, and you can do this and you can do that, but it all leads to death." And in Second Peter two nineteen, it says, "They promise freedom, but them but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption." And check out this truth right here because it's so big. He drops like the mic after this, I'm pretty sure, in the Bible. For you're a slave to whatever controls you. You're a slave to whatever controls you. And the question this morning is, is pity controlling you or purpose? Is pity controlling you or is their purpose controlling you? Because I I, I I say this, you can be pitiful or powerful, but you can't be both. You can be pitiful and you can, or you can be powerful, but you can't be both at the same time. And God did not create you even when circumstances don't go your way. Uh, hate, God hates me. Oh, you know, you. you I, I like what my friend Derek sent me. It's the picture of a teenage mannequin. It, it just kind of sits here like this because it doesn't want to hug. It doesn't want to try on clothes. It's just like, ugh. You know, don't, God doesn't hate you. That's you moping. That's you being pitiful. You can't be par- powerful while you're being pitiful. Well, they 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 talked about me. This this I'm having to deal with the consequences. I didn't know my marriage repairing it was going to be this hard. I didn't know the consequences were going to be this big. But but you can be pitiful and mope and not learn anything, and God hates or or you can be powerful. It's your choice. And some of us, when it comes to our spiritual life and our walk, man, you need to start walking like you're in the mall. You need to have a mall walk to your spiritual life. And what I mean by that, there is a trap at the mall. And every one of you that has been to the mall experienced this. You can, if, if you decide that you're gonna go to the mall and you don't know where you're going, you're a dead man. Every man in this place, before you go with your wife to the mall to save your marriage, you need to have a plan of action. You need to have agreed stores you're going to. We're, 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 I'm not here to look. I'm here to buy. Action. Looking just stinks. I don't want to just look. What? What? Pfft. I not to understand that. Like, oh, oh, I wish I had money for that. But no, don't do that. You're just torturing yourself. Just want to go window shopping. Window shopping sucks. Let's be honest, right? <laughs> and, and so when you go into the mall, there are all these kiosks in the breezeway, and they sell helicopters and dead sea lotion. Um, I don't know why. It's one of those two things. Helicopters or dead sea lotion. And if when I'm at the mall, I'm like, I may have no idea where I'm going, but I'm walking like I do. I'm like, oh, you you make eye contact with them, and you're dead. (laughs) You can't look at them, or you're sucked in, and you're going to have Dead Sea lotion at your house and a helicopter. Um, It's just the way it works. But if you walk like you got, I don't have time to talk to you right now. I know where I'm going. And if it all else fails, just go to Dillard's. Just, I'm going to Dillard's, if nothing else. I'm going there. You got purpose, because you're walking with authority like you know what you're going, but can I tell you, pity works the opposite way. Pity works that you're looking for your identity, you're looking for value, anywhere you can find it, and you get sidetracked, and you get manipulated, and you get distracted, and all of a sudden, your life isn't what you thought it would be all about, and it's full of a bunch of stuff that you never wanted in the first place your life to be about. But if you can become powerful, can I tell you there's purpose in your steps. There's direction to your steps because even though you may have missed it here, even though there may have been moments where it's gone wrong here, you are not letting pity control you, but you are allowing purpose to become power in you and you are controlling and you are letting God control and ordain the steps of your life. You can be pitiful or you can be powerful. You can be a victim of your circumstance and and the consequences, or you can be a learner from them. And there can be power and purpose that comes out of your mess, because here's what I would tell you, is don't let your situations distort your reality. God will never forget you. So, So many times, when we're going through moments where we don't really understand it. We're going through moments that we regret, or or here it is too, there's some of us, you're dealing with consequences that you didn't choose. They were chosen for you. And in that moment when, when, when it's not on you, but you're dealing with the consequences of another person's decision, of another person's infidelity, of a sickness that was not your choosing, of finances that you didn't go out and spend, of your kids going this way, or your parents going this way, you, all of a sudden you're dealing with the consequences of somebody, it distorts your reality. And you think, "What? Well, well, God must not love me anymore. God, God must have forgotten about me now. There, there must not be any hope for me, I can never come back from this. Um, one thing I love, to the core of my soul is homemade queso. I'm talking homemade queso. I'm talking Belbita with Rotel. And if you got an anointing on your life, you brown some sausage and you put some sausage in there because it's a Jesus moment in your house. If you have queso today, just take a picture of it and tag me in it. Um, some of you are like, man, queso and Mexican food sounds so awesome right now. Here's the deal, if you invite me to come over, and, and you say, hey, why not you come over, we'll watch the National Championship college basketball game tomorrow night, and we'll, we'll, I'll make some queso. You said you would make queso. You did know, not say you were gonna open a jar of queso. There's a difference between homemade queso and Tostitas canned queso. Just being honest. So if you invite me over for queso, like somebody's gonna do it, you're gonna do it, and you're gonna bring out a can of tostitos, we're gonna have problems. I'm just telling you. (laughs) But here's the problem with, with, with homemade queso. Here's here's what goes on. And I know we didn't figure this out because they hadn't made it forever. Because now they sell crock pot liners where you can put them in and you know now it doesn't stick. But when you make queso in a crock pot, the old school way, so for everybody that's old, that's us. See, I'm starting to group myself in that. You, when you, it's messy, right? Like afterwards, you're like, why did we make queso? It's so, this this crock pot is never going to be the same again. And you soak it. And like, for me, I think I use like all the water in the world to where I don't have to put my hands on it because I'm like, you know, it just, the slime, I'm like, I can't believe I put that in my my, my mouth. It's just like, oh. Uh, and you're just trying to get to where you and you get a brush on it and then it's all over the brush. You know what I'm talking about? <coughs> it's a mess. Here's what never happens. We have never in my lifetime said, you know what? This whole thing's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's really hard to get off. It's really hard to clean up. Let's just throw this thing away, and we'll just get a new one, right? We'll just get a new, they make more crockpots. Let's just get done with, no, 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 no. This is worth cleaning up. This is worth, it's still got some more queso to make for me. You know, like, hey, this thing's still got some potential. And here's the deal. For some of us, we can see potential more in a crockpot than we do in our own life. Some of us will put more effort into cleaning queso out of a crock pot than we will dealing with the consequences that have affected our life. Can I tell you, just as this crock pot is worth redeeming, worth restoring, that's the way God feels about you this morning. You're worth restoring. And don't let your reality, no matter how bad, No matter how awful you feel, don't let your reality distort the truth of God's love. And that is, he hasn't forgotten about you. Samson says this prayer in Judges 16, verse 28. It says, then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. I tell you, Samson didn't have to pray that. Because God never forgot who Samson was or where Samson was. He knew where Samson was and who Samson was. And some of you, maybe you feel like Samson. Maybe you're dealing with, and you're just like, man, God, remember me. Hear me, he never forgot you. In fact, it says this in Philippians 1.6, it says, he that began a good work in you will finish it, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He doesn't just start with you. It's not like this excited project that he started and then he lost all excitement. It was like, ah, I'm done with them. They're too big of a mess. There's too much queso involved. I can't touch this anymore. No, 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 no. If you'll let him, he'll finish the work he started in you. Justin, I just don't feel loved. I don't don't feel like God is doing something. I don't feel like he knows where I'm at and he knows my stresses and my anxiety. Romans chapter eight, verse 35, says this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? or persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And some of us, we need to hear this point again. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble, or calamity, or persecuted, or we're hungry, or destitute, or in danger? or threatened with death. No, despite it all. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. You may feel differently, but don't let your reality distort. Don't let your situation distort reality. He hasn't forgotten about you. He knows right where you are. An overwhelming victory is yours. The passage in the Bible where Jesus starts talking about sparrows, and many of us, you kind of heard a song, his eye is on the sparrow, but I know he watches me, and we've heard the song, but I think for a lot of us, we don't understand the meaning that Jesus is saying. And in the passage of John, uh, Matthew, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 29 through 31, it says, "What Jesus asked, what is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Let me give you the bad news. <laughs> sparrows aren't worth a whole lot like I tried to do the calculation and to my calculation with inflation since biblical times which is really hard to do when you're dealing with a currency that's no longer around and it's been a gazillion years but if you were to try to buy two sparrows it would cost you around 25 cents and here's the deal Jesus is like hey how much is two sparrows? Not much. It, it wasn't a significant offering. It wasn't an extravagant or expensive offering like a, a goat or a lamb. This is what poor people offered to the Lord. They bought two sparrows. And, and, and Jesus saying, man, you're more important than a sparrow. I, I, I wish Jesus would have compared us to an eagle, right? Like, hey, you're more important than an eagle. Like, Yeah. That's a value that stands out. This this is almost like being one of the two kids picked last for a team at recess. You're like, I'll take you. You're less of two evils. You know, come on. But it's right at this moment that Jesus used sparrows for a purpose. He's saying, you know what? You may feel invaluable. You may feel like you're not a big deal. You may feel like you're forgotten about. Like, there's not much worth to you. What's the price of two sparrows? But even in the midst of the price of those two sparrows, not one of them falls to the earth without your heavenly Father knowing it. And you are much more valuable. Than those, He knows, the Father in heaven knows the very head, the very hairs numbered on your head. He knows the intimate details of your life. And this morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you feel invaluable. I don't know if you feel like you've blown it and you're just like, ah, there's not much good. There's not much worth to my life. Can I tell you? You're more valuable than two sparrows. You're more valuable than a flock of, and he Knows the numbers on your head. For some of you, that's really easy because there's not a lot there. But what the Bible is saying, what Jesus is saying, He knows the details, the very details of your life. He cares about you, He knows where you are. So don't let your circumstances, don't let the consequences that you're dealing with distort your reality. God will never leave you, He'll never forsake you, according to Hebrews 13:5. He'll never forget you. He knows your name. He knows the details of your life. He knows the cravings and the desires of your heart. And He knows you. And He has purpose and He has hope and He has restoration because you're worth restoring. You're worth bringing back. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. And God, I come before you right now and I just ask that, Lord, for some of us, we're dealing with consequences. Lord, we've made choices, we've taken actions, and there's a result to those. And God, I I pray that we wouldn't become a victim of our consequences. I pray that, Lord, in the process of either doing good or even sometimes when we miss it, God, that we wouldn't become pitiful, but, Lord, we would learn what the lesson is in all of this, and that it would bring purpose. And, Lord, in the mess of what our life is, there would be a message that you bring out of it, God, that we can still walk powerfully through this life, that, Lord, we will not be a slave to pity, but we will be powerful. And we will have direction to our life even when we're struggling with the consequences of this life. Lord, I pray right now, speak to us, move in us. And no matter where we are, I pray that we would know we're worth redeeming. God, you haven't forgotten about us, but we would ground ourselves in your word. And we would let you finish the work you started in our life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life, we wanna give you that chance. If you're here today and you say, Justin, you know what? I, I'm, I'm here, and I've never, man, I, 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 I said the prayer, but I'm just not where I need to be, and I need to recommit my life to the Lord. I need to get things right with him, and I need to come back home. We want to give you that chance, and I'm going to count to three, and all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand right where you're at, and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you go to another like room or stand up. We're just simply going to lead you a prayer that will change your life and your eternity. That's you, when I get to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone here this morning? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's one hand, there's two hands, there's three hands. You say, Justin, that's me today and I wanna join these three hands that are lifted. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, man, that's me. I don't, I don't wanna miss this moment where I'm at. You join these three hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else before we go any further? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I've messed up and I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I turn from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Can we give these three individuals that raise their hands an awesome and huge round of applause? What an awesome moment. Hey, here, here's if you raise your hand, would you do us this favor?